the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program, weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live Quiz Show. 
How's everything working for you, Jacob? Your headphones and... Oh, I thought you were going to say my head. <laughs> How's everything working for your head? Well, my head's fine. Well, I know in how you... In fact, I might say, what's that buzzing around your head? Uh, what's, uh, what's that running around your leg? There you go. Well, you're good to go then. Evidently, you're sharp as a tack tonight, as usual. So we're ready to get going with the Bible Live Quiz Show. Folks, thanks for joining us. We've read through this past week in the Bible Live readings, Monday through Friday. We read Psalms 97 through 101. And all of our narrative readings came from one book. We didn't jump around a lot this week. We stayed right in the book of Job, which is, as we've stated before, um, the most popular book. I can think I can say that without reservation. We've noticed over the... Hey, no fair. You slipped an Indian term. <laughs> without reservation. Isn't that interesting, that... that, that that very, that very phrase, without reservation, I have begun to broadcast. Some of you might be happy to know this, to know that we have this open door for ministry. I have begun to broadcast recently with a program called The Storyteller. And, in fact, the sponsor of the program itself is a ministry, a missionary organization to Native American tribes across North America. The program will air. It's called The Storyteller. It airs on about 300 to 350 stations around the country. It features Native Americans from many, many different tribes. There are over 300 tribes in North America. Native American believers who share their journey of faith, they share their experience of how they came to search for God, to seek Him, and having found the true and living God through the scriptures and through a relationship, through faith and trust in Messiah Jesus. It's a wonderful program. I've already begun to do the recorded intros and outros and so on for the program. And we've already begun to air some of the testimonies. My own testimony, my own experience was recorded about a year ago as part of the program. And I have been told that the response has been so positive and so uh so good that a lot of people have called and been been uh, touched by the story of my own life as an orphan and so on and, and coming to faith uh, in the Lord. And then the ministry has now come to me and asked if I might be willing to host their program and give the introduction at the beginning, do the segues from program to program and from person to person who shares their story, and then also give an evangelistic summary at the end, just a little bit of a message of here's how you too can come to know God in that personal way that is shared each and every week. So you might listen for it. It's primarily on stations that beam into Native American communities, into reservations across the U.S. and Canada. <laughs> Funny enough, the name of the ministry that it sponsors it is called Without Reservations. So uh, I guess I was on firm ground there when I mentioned that. In the book of Job, though, this week, our readings were from chapter 6 through 37. We'll talk about this man named Job, when he lived, what was the setting of this story. Jacob and I were talking just before the program came on the air tonight. The fact is that I think a lot of people have heard, generally speaking, about Job. They know that 
Job is this fellow who suffered a great deal. We use the phrase, someone having the patience of Job and so on. But I'm not sure a lot of people really actually know the details of the story, what happened and and what the book actually consists of. So we'll make sure that is clarified tonight. And Jacob, tonight we could focus a little bit more on what does the book tell us about God and about God's ways? Any lessons that we could take from the book of Job and apply to our individual lives today and to our world situation, to our culture, to our society? Does it tell us anything that would really be helpful for us today to help us to live as God's people, to live more effectively, more consistently as the people of God. And so we're going to give that a shot, kind of give it a focus. Actually, I think it's a good topic here. I was going to thought we were going to talk about Esther and Matthew, but I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, But but I will say, Well, Esther's coming up, right? So it won't be long. uh, But actually, I agree with you. I think it's a good idea, and I think the primary, what I would call the theme, Uh is the lesson you're talking about. Be careful not to mix other religions and gods. Yeah, the first command does come to mind here. And uh, you've and that's got without some... a reservation. <laughs> without a reservation, yes. <laughs> We're going to stay on that theme, aren't we, Jacob? You're not going to leave. But you have some information about these three, quote, friends. Well, actually, you've got questions asked here, so I actually picked your questions. Good. So it, All right. Uh, well, who we have? We have Eliphaz, uh-huh. Zophar, uh-huh. Naamathite, uh-huh. which I'm not sure what that means, but you do. See, that's the good thing. You can give us a little help there about learning where do these people come from? A Naamathite, uh, so oh, a Timonite. I, I only know what I was told. You know. Okay, a Timonite. Well, you were there, weren't you? You're a pretty old guy. Yeah, I was I was there. In fact, uh-huh. in fact it's when we first found the first Coca-Cola cap. <laughs> and this guy named Bildad the shoe height, the guy that I make a joke about that all it's really a rather poor bad joke that he's the shortest man in the Bible a shoe height. But it's your understanding that that is a, a yeah, you're gonna give away your Islamic, answer. You're gonna give your Oh answer. am I? Yes, because that's one of your questions. Okay, fact, well then then it's question eleven on your list. Of what nationality or clan is Bildad, and we could ask the same thing, I well, suppose. Well, you got the other two at 20 and 21. We might as well get those out there. What nationality? Have you actually read your questions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, kind of once uh, a long time ago. What nationality was Zophar, and what nationality was Eliphaz? So we're going to ask you, what was the uh, nationality? What na- See, when we say nationality... It doesn't mean exactly the same thing that we think of today because nations, you know, people groups and nations with clearly defined borders and legal systems and all of that as we have in the modern world, I suppose, did not exist. There were basically, I suppose, clans or people groups, uh, large clans that large enough to maybe command uh, certain tribes we might think of them. Uh, well, we might be able to, if we can get somebody to call in. So you would like to know something about um, 
Let's see. Your number 11 was what nationality is Bildad. Bildad. And then you want to know nationality of Zophar. Zophar and Eliphaz. Yeah, all, all three of them. Yeah. Those are found in Chapter 18. You find the, uh, well, the, I, I think throughout the book they're kind of mentioned. Chapter 18, verse 1, it talks about Bildad. And Chapter 20 talks about Zophar. And Chapter 22 talks about Eliphaz. And uh, you can give us a little uh, help understanding uh, these people groups that these guys came from. So uh, that'll, that'll be good as well. Well, let's, let, let me give a couple of questions from the Psalms. And then, uh, Jacob, I'm sure we've, we've, given those, we, we've given those three about um, the, the, the nationality of the three, quote, friends. And maybe you can pick out a few more questions there that will really help us to home in on uh, the story of Job. Uh, I, I will go with the Psalms. There are several here that I found very interesting. Uh, one of these is kind of a multiple choice, and I'm so I'm going to give you an easy one. In Psalm 98, name just one of the various musical instruments that are mentioned in Psalm 98. In Psalm 98, there's a, a number of musical instruments mentioned. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six of them there. So if you can, um, if you can tell us uh, just one of the musical instruments mentioned in Psalm 98, that will be the answer to one question at least tonight and help you win valuable prizes that we talked about. We've got some great tickets to Splash Town. Uh, uh, express lube tickets, uh, uh, gift certificates, uh, rose cleaners, uh, nature's factor as far as uh, uh, carpet and draperies and so on. A number of different prizes and gifts for you. So we'll put those together for you and get them in the mail so that you can enjoy those this summer. Uh, name one of the musical instruments mentioned in Psalm 98. Uh Mm, how about Psalm 97? In Psalm 97, we are told that as God's people, we must learn two things. First, we must learn to love God, and then there's something that we're learning. We should be learning to hate. What is it? Love God and hate what? Psalm 97. You can look at verse 10 to find the answer to that. We are to love God and hate what one more um well i i i'm going to mention this because it's well here we go psalm 100 i'll go ahead and psalm 100 god's people are compared to an animal which animal are we compared to god's people are compared to which animal psalm 100 Verse 3. And, of course, I've heard all my life uh, a lot of jokes about that particular animal and and why we we are compared to that particular uh, species. All right? So if you can answer any of those questions from Psalms 97, 98, and 100, uh, give us a call, 340-9585-340-9585. Nine five eight five. That's the local line. If you're dialing long distance, eight seventy seven six thirty 
877-630-5757. And that's a toll-free number uh, just in case you would need it from anywhere across these uh, United States. Let's go to Job from chapters 6 all the way to 37. Uh, we've already got one question about there. Can you tell us the nationality or the clan name of the three friends of Job? Actually, that's three questions. Yeah, it is. Each one is separate, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz. But you got some more? What, what do you oh, like yeah. in there? Uh, how about this? How about uh, starting off with your number one? Okay. His, Might as well start at number one. That's yeah, always a good place. Uh, <clears throat> in his response to Eliphaz, uh, um, in response to Eliphaz's first speech, Job insists that he has not sinned and says that the only comfort from his pain is that he has done what? That he has not done. That he has not done. <laughs> we got to get that word not in there. Well, on the other hand, you, you could make a case that doing it is comfort. <laughs> Maybe so. There is sometimes. I, I get you. That's found. The answer is found in Job chapter 6. Verse 10, he says that his only comfort, the comfort he gets from his pain and suffering, is that he something that he has not done. What was it that Job did not do? Uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Could we throw just one more in? Please, and why okay. not? Uh, you're number three. In Bildad's first response to Job. Oh, this one really got my goat. Oh, you're not supposed to answer one of the previous questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, that's right. That's okay. Right. In Bildad's first response to Job, he says that Job's children deserve to die because of what? And boy, I want to pick a fight over that. Well, me too. I, I, from a pastoral point of view, this would be a. Well, we're going to explain it by figuring out who Bildad is. That'll help. Uh, but from a pastoral counseling point of view. This uh, is a no-no. <laughs> you, uh -huh. you don't attack the people you're trying to oh, comfort. Okay, <laughs> well, we, they're not trying to comfort yeah. them at all. These are bad people. Okay, Here, from Bildad's first response to Job, he says, of all things, that Job's children deserved to die. Thank you. Thank you. Terrible. Because of what? Because of what? Chapter 8, verse Four. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. I was wondering, may, may I ask, do we have a telephone number? We do. 340 340-9585. 340-9585. It's the same number Harold uses to call into uh -huh. the Bible and then Live. And right after show. Harold, we have a guy, Richard, don't we? Well, I, I'm, I'm afraid Richard dropped off, but I hope he'll call us back. Richard, call back. And we'll get to him in just a moment. Harold, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for calling in. I'm doing real good. I was listening to the first part of your show about Joe, but I'll go ahead and answer three questions. Excellent. I guess it's sheep. You got sheep, tambourines, and evil. Okay. We are we are called sheep, the sheep of his pasture. That's uh, I, for many years. I don't think the psalm uh, necessarily means it jokingly, but all my life, Harold, that has all has been used kind of as a joke because. It is my understanding we had sheep where I grew up. Uh, some guys we raised sheep on the ran uh, hogs and sheep and cattle and so on, uh, dairy herd and beef herds. And uh, but 
all of my life I've heard how how dumb sheep are, that they're not very smart animals. Uh, now, I can't say I know that for a fact and everything, but that it's kind of been a joking thing that uh, it's funny that the Bible talks about us as God's people as sheep because well, that means we're not very smart. Well, sometimes people might want to use that to their benefit. And and that's that's one of the things growing up as a child uh, not listening to preachers now on the radio. I'm not talking about them, but sometimes uh-huh. preachers on the radio get call-ins and they get the brunt of someone else's childhood uh, religious life. And <laughs> yes. I don't mean to do that at, at all with you. But I, on the book of Job, to me, uh, uh, the story of Job can be very dangerous. And it says, and I want to ask you if I can read Job seven one four. Let's do it, yeah. And uh, let me what get over. Says, I've got my Bible in front of me. Yes, yes, over. I have your. I'll jump over also. there with you. All right. It is not. It is not all human life a struggle? Our lives are like that of a hired hand, like a worker who longs for the shade, like a servant waiting to be paid. I too have. I too have been assigned months of fury, long and weary nights. Of misery, months of futility. Yes, fertility. Yes, thanks. Lying in bed, I think. When, when will I? When will it be morning? But the n- night drags on, and I toss till dawn. Now, now, then you have verse six, and Job cries out to God. So my question is, to I would say, I would say the pastors out there and and maybe maybe Jacob might know something about this I don't know uh-huh. uh what in this day and time we're not talking about Job's day and time what standard was Job holding himself accountable to why why do we allow for perfection in the imperfection of life what yardstick what standard did he use what is our standard? Our that is a phenomenal question. I find that I think it's a great question. Because One more line. When we wrestle yeah. with it, it'll. I think we're going to learn some very important, a uh, very important lesson. And the and the last line I have is we all we all are at different levels in our life. So, you know, we have to be compared. You know, sometimes someone wants you can never do enough, and that's part of the problem that. Some pastors may try to hold down their congregation with, oh, well, Job lost his wife. Well, she went to heaven. And Job lost this, and well, he got everything back. You know, uh, it's a very disturbing thing when the text is not used correctly and what it's meant to be, not to be used for. But, I, you know, but I'll listen. I don't know if Jacob has anything to say on yeah. measuring yeah. sticks or not. Yeah, I, I, I like what you say there about when the text is misused. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I think the error or, or the uh, or the fault, it seems to me now, I, Harold, I'm a long time, uh, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of preachers and evangelists and teachers through many years of, of following the Lord as well. Mm-hmm. And I know what you mean. It seems to me that the... The enemy that we face uh, primarily is the enemy of superficiality. That we, that we just take things on a on a superficial level. 
we read it and we try to make some big point of whatever we read without without scratching beneath the surface and not learning, okay, who is this talking? When did he talk? Who, what, when, where, how, and where? You know, right. these, these wonderful questions that put, put these people, uh, Job and other Bible characters, put them into their, into their setting, into their real-life situation. There you go. So that we can really understand what they were feeling and what they were thinking and experiencing. And, and that is far, uh, that is so very, very helpful. Now, I don't mean that nothing can be gleaned. From no. just taking a verse on its, you know, on its level, but even the passage that you just read now, right now from chapter seven of Job yes. is so profound when you think of it. Is not all human life a struggle? Right. Our That's lives, me. our lives are like a, that of a hired hand, like a worker who longs for the shade, like a servant waiting to be paid. Oh, those, those are. Not only are they poetic and beautiful, but we can all identify with that at some level, right? As well, but it helps to know a little bit of the background. Maybe Jacob does have something there that he would throw in about this man. Let's put Job in his in his place historically, okay, Jacob? Okay. Thanks for calling, Harold. I'm okay, gonna, I'll I'm, I'm going to set Job free on this. Uh, Jacob, <laughs> call you Job, brother. You got about one minute to get started. Well, that's okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, I would suggest that I know there's different scholars that say different times. We do know this: that whoever Job is, whether he's a Jew or not a Jew, he know he's a believing person because we know in the Hebrew he uses the Hebrew name for God. Okay, now hang on. Okay, let's. Well, we're going to have to take this one step at a time well, because you said a Jew. Well, we don't have. We got. We'll come back after the break. But uh, you said a Jew or not a Jew. Now, uh, the, the, the Jews as we know them as a defined uh, people group uh, don't start up until after Abraham, right? So where does Job that term Jew or Judaism starts up Abraham? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's kind of what I'm I'm thinking. Uh, now you're using in the term of. Jews in terms of their uh, uh, the God that they worship, Yahweh, right? I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll come back to that question. We'll try to get uh, well, Jacob's going to help us. that's standard that I think Job's using. Let's get Job into his historical context. When did this guy live? What was his understanding of God? Was it the same? Uh, was it Yahweh? Was it uh, that God or a different God coming out of the flood? Did you know the flood is actually mentioned in the book of Job, and by the way? And may I encourage Richard, to encourage Richard to call back? Yeah, give us a call, Richard. We'd love to hear your call, your question, and your answer as well. The Bible Live Quiz Show will be back in just a couple of minutes, so I hope you don't go away. And uh, we'll continue our way through the book of Job. Come on, The Bible Live is an exciting new vision to broadcast the Bible itself to America and the world. First of all, I want to say this is the best show in the world. This program that you put on is just a remarkable program. I don't know if there's any program like it in the U.S. But did you know that you can help put the Bible on the airwaves across America and at the same time receive your own copy of the Bible Live, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation on CD? Convenience is the key for me. The Bible Life has really changed my morning commute. 
My parents gave me the Bible Live CD collection as a gift before I went away to college. I have grown up reading the Bible, but listening to it and having it available to listen as I study or to listen as I clean my dorm room has been amazing. Hearing the Bible out loud without the effort or distraction of reading helps me focus on what it actually says. Soapy's voice and reading style really bring out the meaning of the text. I like listening to the CDs while I exercise. For every tax-deductible donation of $100 or more to The Bible Live, our thank you gift to you will be our Bible Live CD set, 62 CDs with a convenient carrying case. Visit our website, www.thebiblelive.com, and donate online today. Together we can bring the Bible live to millions who otherwise may never hear its message. It's Splash Time! Get a jump on your summer fun with Splash Town, San Antonio's favorite family water park, featuring 20 acres with 40 water slides, the half-million-gallon wave pool, the quarter-mile-long Siesta del Rio, the ever-famous dive-in movies every Friday night, and more. Splash Town is just three minutes north of downtown on I-35 with plenty of free parking. For hours, rates, or advanced discount tickets, surf on over to SplashTownSA.com. A new wave of fun at Splash Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect they received that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. The crowd is kind and quick to We are back. We are back. Got carried away in our discussion here during the break there about this man named Job. Jacob, give us a shot here. Talk to us a little bit about Job, when he lived, 
Was he a contemporary of perhaps Abraham or the Chaldeans? We know that Job came from the country that's called Uz, U-Z, which I expect was part of the Babylonian general geographical area. Job is there. Is he perhaps pre-Abraham or... Well, different scholars think different things. The majority of the Jewish scholars believe that the book was probably written by Moses and that he was probably a contemporary of Abraham. But that the story was passed by oral oral tradition through many generations, I suspect. Well, of course, Moses would have been alive at the time Noah was alive. You say Moses or Abraham? No, I I apologize. I meant uh, Abraham. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that too. And this is something that it helps us. Because uh, sometimes we don't ever put these people together. We never think. Yeah, these people, a lot of them knew each other. I've, I've heard that as well, that Abraham was probably a young man. Uh, uh, his Abraham, father. Uh, uh, Abraham, let's see, was uh, 68 when Noah died. When Noah died. Okay, so there is there was this tradition. There was this teaching, the preaching of, 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 um, of Noah, uh, well, the understanding well, of the true and living God. Well, and the idea that what I think addressing Harold's particular issue was about what standard. I think the standard is that however Job got it, he got it. And he understood that the creator of the universe demands justice and charity. Yes. And uh, Yeah, we can see from his own story, from his pronouncements here, some of the things he knew about God. And, and yes, he was clearly a, had a clear understanding that the Creator, Almighty, Omnipotent, some of the attributes, and God's righteousness, and that God is a just and holy God. So, uh, all of these so, things. So yeah. it, no good. matter what God is, this guy, Job, somehow knew it. He knew something about God and his character, well, probably, and it wasn't just personal revelation. Uh, if he lived around the time of Abraham, I, there probably were a number of people who now uh, followed after God. Now, Abraham certainly is one who is called specifically and especially by God to leave Earl of the Chaldeans and and calls him to go to this land that he had never been to, leave his people in his land and go to uh, what later on became uh, Canaan and uh, where the the promised land is, we have come to call it. So Abraham is a part of that. But, but, okay, so we put Job somewhere in that realm and... So he's he, he's not talking to him personally, he, and he and he and he seems to um, well, it's a concept of God calling us to be uh, righteous or goodness, it's basically good, help others, love others. And I guess I said the word uh, 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 worshiping God, devotion to Him, and Him, because your very observation about these three friends, uh, Zophar, um, oh, what are the names? Zophar, Eliphaz, and and, and uh, so on. Um, your very discussion of them has been that they their concept of God is very different. You know, maybe this would be a good time for me to say this, if okay. it's okay. Um, <clears throat> I caution my kids. I caution my friends. Now, nobody has to, you know, believe me or agree with me, but, of course, I, I in my mind, I'm always right. I <laughs> well, we all, I, hopefully, I'm, we're all I'm, trying to be right. I'm an thinking. expert in my own opinion. Yes, there you go. And I try to base it on other knowledgeable people. Because, uh, you know, I am teachable. But these guys, they are not his real friends. They're bad guys. They have their own gods. They have their own concepts of gods. And I know we won't get to it tonight. Next week we will. 
But we have actually, we know, that, first of all, in the beginning of the story, that Job is classified by God as not sinning. We know that. The characters don't seem to know that. And, of course, Satan says, well, let me loose on him. And one of the ways he gets turned loose is by these foreign god worshipers. Uh, now, as Job's wife, I read to be a sympathetic kind of thing. And if, even in the, the text, the Hebrew has kind of a sympathetic tone to it that, you know, she's caring for him. Oh, just curse God and die, you know. But so it's sympathy. On the other hand, you've got these other people eating at his spirit and his soul. And this, accusing him. And, yes, and but so that's that's they're inspired by somewhere to do this and they bring with them their own concepts of their own gods and we know that everything they say is wrong nothing they say is acceptable to god not the god of the bible of the jews or the christians particularly the three now the young yeah. man uh well, Elihu, we're, not, we're not we're not talking about the we're okay. not talking about him we're talking about the three yeah but it'll be helpful i think your observation there when we identify these these people groups um, that they belong to, we'll see that they really did come uh-huh. from pagan people groups and even from uh, well, the, with, not, and clearly even, with worship of, of a different God, a yeah, different concept but, but of God. But at the end of the Bible, the important thing is God himself appears and says, you three are wrong. I never said that. You made that up. Yes. And it says, go tell Job to pray for you. <laughs> now, what's yeah. fascinating about that is, is that the things that these three characters seem to say we are attracted to. In fact, if I can classify in one nominal way, one of them says, Job, you really are a sinner. The other one says, Job, you know, you're not going to understand all this. you just got to have faith. The third one says, you know what? It's bigger than all of us. You just can't comprehend it all fits together. And yet we got God appearing saying, that's not true, you three. I've never said that. And that's fascinating to me. This is yeah. why I learn more about God from Job than any other book. It has incredible potential for us. As, as we, If we go through the book thinking, I, I encourage people to go through the book thinking, what does this tell me about God? Because we have this very unique opportunity. At the very beginning of the book, the curtain is pulled back, and we get to see what Job doesn't even see, what Job doesn't even understand, we get to see behind the scenes what is going on. We know that he is, in fact, not sinless perfection, but he is a, a godly, righteous man who seeks after God sincerely and, and deeply, and that God is proud of him. In fact, God, the whole book begins with God bragging on Job. And so we see that, and we know that to be a fact. And so we, we're told why even he endures this suffering, and it's certainly not for his own sin. Uh, in, in fact, uh, it it might, Jacob, shed light on uh, part of why we suffer. Remember that passage that Harold read a while ago, is not all human life a struggle? Our lives are like that of a hired hand, like a worker who longs for the shade, like a servant waiting to be paid. I mean, obviously, Job is speaking here out of a, a lot of pain and suffering and difficulty, and he's trying to get a, an understanding of why is it that life contains so much suffering. I don't and difficulty. really think it's it's that far removed from actually the modern day Christian understanding. I, th- I think we I, all have I, some well, sense of, of the and, difficulty and, of life, right? I well, mean, difficulty of life. Yeah, you but, know something about the hardship of life. I know about you. I mean, it can't be that easy being as ugly. No, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> but, but you but know, you get used to it. You know. <laughs> but, but but really, my point is, is that it's as I read this, this is not that far removed from actually the idea of Christian understanding today, because 
Uh, certainly the things that are happening to uh, Job, who appears to be a righteous man. Now, righteousness in Hebrew refers to obeying God's laws. Okay. So he appears to be, and yet he's, go, he's suffering in some ways, and it seems that uh, Satan is allowed to do this to him. Well, and it, as I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm in, incorrect, but I understand that in the Christian thought, certainly Satan is the great tempter, and he can always look for that opportunity to cause mischief in people's lives. And, and so that... And he's a great, he's an accuser, a tempter, right. he's a liar, and he, we see him doing that uh, you, through these uh, friends and others. He, mm-hmm. Deception is a great thing, uh, accusing uh, Job, as you say, stealing his spirit, uh, his well, com- my, trying to undermine his confidence. Well, and this is not one of God. your questions, so I'm not giving anything away, but I consider uh, chapter 19 of Job to be the actual paramount uh, theme of the entire book of Job, and in, in particular, 19.22. Right. Yeah. We ni- talked about that. Yeah. And 19.22 is uh, Job, actually his friends are not helping him. This is like walking to a hospital, seeing a guy that's had a bad accident. He says, gosh, look at you. You're horrible. You must. Did you know you lost your legs? You'll never be able to walk again. And he says to them, have mercy on me, my friends. Have mercy, for the hand of God has struck me. And then he says in verse 22... He says, why do you persecute me as God? Aren't you satisfied with my flesh? So what he's saying is you guys are supposed to be my friends, bolstering me up, encouraging me. But instead of doing that, you're taking away my spirit, my soul, any hope I got. You're not my friends. And then when we examine closely what they're saying and examine who these people are and where they came from and how they conceptualized their God, it begins to make sense that that is their God. Oh, yeah, there's a very, very big difference. I, I've just got to read on. I think chapter 19, in fact, is kind of the core heart of the book as well. But right after that, Job says, Oh, that my words could be recorded. Oh, that they could be inscribed on a monument. And, and I think it's so funny that, in fact, is here we have his words recorded. He says, Carved with an iron chisel and, and uh Filled with lead, engraved forever in the rock. And then look at this, uh, Jacob, in, chapter, in verse 25. But as for me, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself, yet I will see him with, yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. What? What an amazing statement here in all of this, all of this uh, sort of negativity and pessimism and this suffering that he, understandably that he's going through. Here comes this, this amazing affirmation of faith in the goodness of God, in the redemptive nature of God, and that uh, and and he even goes far as, as immortality, eternal life, and so on. I, I don't know. I just find the I find some of the things that Jacob discovered about God. To be way ahead Jacob? of his time. I said, say Jacob. Yes. I, I mean, I, well, I, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> right <yeah. laughs> Job. Some of the things that Job discovers and says about God seem way ahead of his time. I kind of well, tend to think of see, him as primitive, but see, I guess he's not. I, I don't think it's primitive, and I don't think it's ahead of his time. You see, from my world, this has always been understood that you must have faith, and you certainly must believe. Otherwise, if you don't, then God's laws mean nothing. But I meant not so much having faith and believing, but 
the content of his faith seemed quite advanced. I, I didn't. I wouldn't have thought someone of that era would have uh, such a firm grasp on the whole concept of of a mediator. He says he asked for a mediator at the time. Oh, that I could have someone to speak to mediate between me and God. This this long and then of course. In the redemptive plan of God, it involved a mediator, a, a, a Messiah, one who would a redeemer. He mentions here, and the whole concept of of, uh, uh, of forgiveness, the whole idea of life after death, of being able to see God and be with God. To me, those are quite advanced concepts, and he doesn't have just a longing for those things. He he has a, a solid faith that those things are realities. I. I don't know. I, sometimes I'm surprised by by Job, and it helps me uh, understand. I think what you say about this was a man of faith. He knew something of the laws of God, the nature of God, the, what God expected of us as human beings. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about that, Jacob, and the whole idea of the laws of God and the understanding of God's nature. I noticed that he offers sacrifices in at this era, uh, so there was an understanding somehow of. A prayer and worship, an well, altar and sacrifice. If this was written at the time, we all assume it was. Uh, it certainly was given before what you and I call the book of Exodus and when the Ten Commandments were given. Yet he seems to know about the feast days. He knows about Rosh Hashanah. He knows about Yom Kippur. Those are days of being forgiven, repentance. So he's also being taught about repentance. So he's got justice, charity, repentance. He's certainly got something about life after death. He's yeah. That certainly. So all these things. But see, I guess it's not that remarkable to me because I've always been taught and trained that this has been a concept since the beginning. Well, see, that's that's why we hired you on and pay you the big bucks is well, to bring us that insight. I no, I think you, for most I, of us as Gentiles. I feel I'm overpaid. I, I need to take a cut if you don't mind. <laughs> but, <cut>. Okay. <laughs> well, for most of us, though, is, is kind of, I, I consider myself kind of a run-of-the-mill Gentile. Just I read the Bible and I oh, take it. Oh, I don't think you're run-of-the-mill. Well, I know. Okay, I I probably am being. I I don't, but I don't have any sense of inflated sense. Well, the truth but is, I read you're the Bible. very you're very knowledgeable. You're a very sophisticated guy. But I but I read the book. I don't I don't have the, all of this background of this wealth of centuries of the people uh, pouring over every word, every phrase. And its meaning and putting one in together with the other, which I find is so amazingly helpful for me as a believer. But essentially, we read the scriptures. We we kind of read ah. what's there, what is there in the passage, and, ah. and 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 try to dig a little deeper and scratch beneath the surface. But uh, we do. And it's another reason why we appreciate so very much your contribution. Let's go and visit with Kathy. I wonder what she has to add to our conversation tonight from the book of Job on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Hi, Kathy. Hi there. Good to hear your voice. What's going on and what are you thinking out there? Well, um, I'm just thinking that this chapter 19 shows how human Job is. And it seems like he's trying to get help from his friends, and then he talks about uh, his friends uh, are against him. His wife is, um, my breath is offensive to my wife, and he's kind of feeling sorry for himself. And then he goes on and he tries to rationalize it, and then the true man that he is, he says, 
in verse 25, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that is, <laughs> I, that I so can put myself there. And he's so human. Yeah. I think that's one of the great appeals, uh, one of the things that make the book of Job so rich and, and helpful to so many of us is we see something of our own lives, our own experiences, maybe not this degree. I don't know. I, I would guess, Kathy, if we got to taking apart your life, I bet there has been a loss. There have been suffering. There have been disappointments. There have been struggles. And I think all of, all of us at our level, we identify with what this man is going through. But isn't it interesting to look behind the curtain and find out why? That it's not because he was evil and he, God is kind of punishing him. But in fact is, that's a good question to ask about this book. Why did this happen? And the first thing we understand, it, 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 it all happened because God is proving how good and how righteous a, a devoted follower of his, Job, to to Satan. That's that's the first thing we learn. And then we see how Job is used redemptively. Not It's not for him himself, although I am sure Job grew out of this experience. He must have grown oh, a lot. To. Yeah, I would guess for sure. But he's also used redemptively in the life of these, quote, friends. Surely, uh, as they interact with him, as they learn from him, and at the end, God even says you to those three guys, you're wrong you need to go to Job and have him pray for you. I suspect that Job's suffering in some ways was used redemptively to speak into the lives even of these three men and of all the people that knew him. Um, so, so it shed some light on maybe why we, why do we have our struggles and our adventures. It's, sometimes it may not be about me at all. Maybe that God's trying to reach a neighbor or reach someone who's watching my life or a family member, and he knows if that, you know, if I take a particular struggle, if I suffer in a certain way, that someone else is going to watch that, and he may, use, in other words, he may be using me and my suffering and my difficulties to to help reach somebody else, uh, and that's clearly a message. That's one of the lessons, at least, we get from Job. Uh, Jacob, well, and that kind of answers my question because I was going to make a comment about the first chapter when Satan is talking with God, and then God is kind of saying, well, you can have him, but you can't do this and you can't do... And that uh, that, that kind of gets, gets to me. <laughs> isn't that, really isn't that kind of similar to the Christian concept of the Messiah, Jesus? Oh, I, it is. I, I mean, it, isn't that exact? In fact, I go so far, it seems to me, to be the works behind the clock. Yeah, I... I Jesus was the same way. He said, you can have me, not my will, but yours be done. You know, I, would, I, would, I, I prefer this, Lord, that take this cup from me, but, but not my will. Just use me up in your service and your will, whatever it might be. And, and in that sense, I think we could think of Job in some way as a, a, an example, even of that very Redeemer that he longs for. Well, but, and that is a, this is a, this is kind of an example or a prophecy that generally is not, common in christian thought is that not just the, is there a line about like he comes riding lowly on a donkey but the story itself creates a i'm going to use the word it's picture. not right a, right a, a picture or, okay. or that we should expect so we can recognize a characteristic of the messiah at at the time this was prior to the messiah the christian uh -huh. say that jesus was and 
So this is prior to that, but it teaches us a characteristic that we should come to expect and see in the Messiah. Selflessness and, and willingness to be used in redemptively in the life of well, others. I mean, the you know, number of the things I, I that Kathy mentioned. I hear what you're saying, but I, I see suffering. Uh-huh. And I, and I, yeah. so I see that this is a fellow that's been granted permission by by God uh, to do these things to him. And I think there is a message here about these other people. By the way, Kathy, is that your name? Uh-huh. Yes. May I ask you, uh, and I'm just curious because of time and in my interest, uh, do you have any idea, and it's okay if you don't, because I, you know, I, I, I think Soapy would agree that you've done a fine job thus far. Yes. Um, but uh, do you have any uh, thoughts about Bildad, Zophar, or Eliphaz? Tell us what you know about his friends and your impressions. Well, I don't think he should have been talking to them. <laughs> That's interesting. He is. And, and I think your point is good, and I never thought about it this way. Maybe God is using Job's suffering to witness, so that Job can witness to these guys and also his wife. Sure. I think that has to be a part of the reason, at least. Now, not, not not the whole story, but clearly in the, we're even told in the passage that uh, that that was one of the results, at least in their lives, because he tells them, you know, he tells them, God tells them in the end, you were wrong, and go to Job, have him pray for you. So there is something there, uh, whether whether it's the whole story or not, which I think it is not, of course, because we've already talked about it as well in the spiritual realm, Satan himself but uh something a lot I, i've always said god never does anything for just one reason and uh because it it just it resonates it, it ripples of god an action in my own life it has a, it has an impact directly in me and what i learned about god and often it, it, it ripples onto it reverberates into the life of my family my children my wife uh the way i deal with that situation teaches them something uh and to others who know me so uh things that Everything that God does in our lives, it can have many purposes and many effects ultimately. Uh, uh, and I think it's part of what Job teaches us as well. Can we? I want us to, Jacob. I want you to go ahead and answer the questions about the nationality of these three guys. Kathy, stay with us because I think you're going to be encouraged as you hear uh, the insight about these nationalities. Zophar was a Naamathite. Um, Bildad is a Shuite. A Shuhite. And uh, Eliphaz is a Temanite. Now, we read those words, and it doesn't actually mean much to me, but uh, there's a little bit of insight that comes to us from Jewish tradition, and it kind of helps us maybe. It's not just another group, you know, but it, it has something to do with their belief system as well. So uh, maybe you can tell us about that, Jacob, just before we go into our break. Well, uh, yes. Kathy, thanks for calling. Can you give your name uh, and an address to Mark so that we can send you a, a, a group of our prizes? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. I'd love to do that. So don't hang up. I'm just going to put you on hold, and, and uh, maybe if you can continue listening as well. I think you'll enjoy well, this I next Well, I catch session. your show every Sunday, and I love Jacob. Thank you. Well, thank you for loving Jacob. I love Jacob, <laughs> too. Well, I love you, too, Sophie. It's just it's really good batting around with Jacob and yeah. getting the Jewish perspective. Yeah, it's helpful. It really does contribute. Don't worry. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I was just, just jiving you a little bit. Don't, don't hang up now. Talk to Mark, and we'll continue right after this message, uh, this brief break. 
and we'll come back and talk about the things that Kathy has brought up. We'll talk about these three friends of Job, their nationality, or where they come from, the, kind of a little bit about the God that they worshipped, a very different concept of God. And, uh, and then we'll continue, of course, with your calls, 340-9585, the Bible Live Quiz Show. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. like that song it goes well i think with the theme of job uh, a spiritual realm you know the spiritual trumps the temporal the 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 eternal trumps the temporal the spiritual trumps the purely natural and physical uh, we see clearly in this uh, book of job although the emphasis seems to be uh, on the suffering uh, the earthly sufferings and circumstances of this individual uh, and his struggles with them, but the answer seems to be beyond this life. It, in other words, the, no solution is given uh, to the situation itself. No solution is offered. Uh, God just asked Job a whole bunch of questions that makes him understand that the ultimate solution to all of our life struggles and questions is in the spiritual, is in that relationship well, with the Creator I, Himself. I, yeah, Jacob, come on. And I agree with what you're saying, but Job's story is a very physical, yep. uh, very personal, very real, very real. world. Mm-hmm. So, what was I think what we're supposed to be getting out of this is some yes, your reward perhaps may be in spiritual stuff or not, but it certainly is telling us what our role is in the physical world. And so, therefore, if we don't understand exactly why God does what he does naturally. We don't understand the purpose of many of his laws. But Job did them no matter what. And that was his physical role. And so in the physical world, he is showing what a physical creature does. Yeah, this is a really interesting observation you made, Jacob. And if you don't mind, it brings up one of my fascinations that I've heard not only from you, but also from other uh, Jewish leaders that I, with whom I've had uh, fellowship and, and, and uh, conversation, this whole idea that, well, you Christians, you look on the spiritual, but we Jews, we don't think much about the spiritual. We're mainly, we're mainly fixed on just the earthly and the things that happen here. And to be very honest, 
In the first place, I find that really hard to believe because I think every human being wonders about eternity. We all wonder about goodness, right and wrong, and justice, and, and when God will make things right, uh, if there will be a judgment in eternity. Uh, and so I think we all wonder about you know, if a man dies, shall he live again? So I think you tend, even in what you just said, it seems to kind of, I have no doubt, I mean, I have no hesitation to say, yeah, this is pure, very, very human story. We've said it over and over again, that there's real suffering, there's real difficulty, and we identify with it because of our earthly struggles. But it seems very clear that the answer, the solution for Job and for our lives, lives in lies in the spiritual, in that relationship with God, in our hope in Him and His judgment and His that He's going to make things right. And there's he, there's a Redeemer, uh, heaven. Let's put it. I'll well, go as far as that. And and say, I can't disagree. Isn't with you, that but, part of uh, y'all's belief system well, as well? Well, we're told at the end. See, Job in this physical world keeps his physical integrity. He doesn't listen to other gods, other gods' laws, his three friends, gods, nothing like that. And we're told that in a physical sense, he does get things returned to him. True. And indeed, do you have you ever noticed he gets double? Yes, now, exactly. There is a biblical law that we find in the actually in the commandments in the Torah. In other words, what when a thief takes something from you, what is the law? The law is he must return double. And so God, I guess it's not like God is a thief or stole anything, but he is, he well, does receive double. Yeah, yes. Certainly. And I, the reason I put it like that is because I always get the same response. I say, well, God's not a thief. It belongs to him. Well, I understand that. But Job is suffering. And so these things have returned to him. So he, certainly because of his integrity, he's got his spiritual, shall we say, reward. But he also seems to have a physical recompense. But now let's talk real quickly before. Yes. Uh, okay. This is going to uh, Job. We know that Job, he's either, as I said, either, quote unquote, has the Jewish idea. When people say Judaism, that is an ism, which means that something existed prior to that. It just became officially incorporated under the heading of an ism. So, well, Judaism comes from the name Judah, right? For the, it does. But so, what, what is it that Judah, Judah didn't invent it? No, 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 no. I understand. But, so I'm just trying Judah to say the word had itself. had the teachings from somewhere. Uh -huh. So people was following Judah, and it became Judaism. But Judah's understandings existed before Judah. Okay. And so yes. The, and so, and Job had these understandings. Noah did, clearly. So anyway, what happens is what you've got going on here is you've got Job sticking to God and God's laws on earth and how he's supposed to live. And this addresses what you're talking about. And you're talking about the true and living God, the God who had revealed himself in and through and with Noah and the flood. Actually, the flood, it, we've noticed that. What, what is that passage where the flood is cited? I don't want to distract it, but I want to put it uh, in context. Was it chapter? It's, uh, oh, I've forgotten myself. We looked at it before the program. Here, but I got, I got it for you. It's uh, 22... I'm sorry, yeah, 22, 15, 16. Okay, so there seems to be a reference there clearly of this flood. Uh, so we know that Job knows about God. the flood, yes. Yes. Okay, so he's got all these concepts. So we're talking about this, the God of, of Noah, for example, the God of... Yes, we're talking about the God... The true and living God, the creator. In the Bible, the, yes. Yeah. 
Now, these other fellows, they have a different concept. In fact, I'd suggest a different God. And how do we know this? Because in the Hebrew, Job himself, when he talks about his God, he uses the name for God that the Jews regard as a holy name, which is yod heh vav Hey. And Job uses that. His other his is that other, what we think of as Jehovah Yahweh? Or? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh, yes. And uh, and and I follow the Jewish tradition of spelling it rather than speaking it. I understand. Because I don't think I'm worthy to speak God's name. Um. Any rate, so I'll but, make no jokes about that. No. Uh-huh. Well, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Certainly, I, I'm not either. I would but... doubt that you'd be able to say something that I have not heard before. <laughs> I bet not. Uh, but here's uh, here's the idea. But let's examine real quickly. First of all, Eliphaz. He's a Timonite. Well, see, that's a region of the world. Because, you know, there's a spot that says, God came out of the Timon. You know, that's, that's in, I think, uh, the prophet Joel. But, so this is a region. And we know something about Eliphaz. Now, who is he? He is the eldest son of Esau. You'll find it in Genesis. He's an Edomite. They have a different concept of God. They have different laws for that God. So that's who we're dealing with. Bildad. The son of Jacob. Wow. So you're saying. No, I'm the Bible saying. I'm not saying. The, oh, oh, yeah. What you're saying, the Bible says. Yeah. The, 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 this man, Eliphaz, who is speaking to Job. Yes, I am saying. Is a, also not only a, a contemporary of Job, but he's also a contemporary of Esau? He's the eldest son, the oldest well, son. Yeah, he'd be a, yeah, he'd be a contemporary. I mean, he lived. Uh-huh. Wow. And that doesn't come till. Many, many years later, uh, after Abraham, because we're talking about the time of Abraham. Uh, and, and well, let's the, go on because I, yeah, I, I wow. know those are all interesting reasonings, but we can come back perhaps. But anyway, so what we're talking about is this is somehow, he's, a, he's a, uh, in the Edomite thought, Edomite religion, Edomite God. And each God that people have, they all seem to develop their own kind of laws. Okay. So we can kind of tell sometimes by the fruit of the laws of that God. What exactly. They, so, yeah. The other one is Bildad, which, uh, and I like your joke about Shuhai. <laughs> the shortest man in the uh, Bible, yeah. But Bildad is actually, believe it or not, has a a derivative that comes from, it, mean, it actually means like Bel has loved. Remember Bel from yeah, the, uh-huh. back in Babylon time? The Babylonian uh-huh. god uh, of, okay. of. So we got a guy with a different concept of God also. Uh-huh. And then when we talked about. So is far, the idea of Shuhai. Is that I've always wondered? Is it anywhere related to the idea of Shiite? You know, we Islam. You know what's fascinating? It's really this, about the same word. Is it okay? So I wondered. That's fascinating. Uh, Zophar. So Zophar actually in the Hebrew is Zophar in English. Uh, he is they say from Nama. That's his homeland. Namathite. Yeah, uh, he's a Namathite. By the way, when I say the in, in the Bible, they'll call them the Israelites. Do you know what it's actually it's in Hebrew? <laughs> uh, Israeli. Israeli, exactly yeah, what they yeah. are today. Yeah. Okay, so you're right. He's a uh, he's from the place of Nama, a Namanite. Uh huh. So now it that's a place, and Joshua, in uh, in actually, um, I believe it's. Uh, 1541 in Joshua is that's one of the places they're told to get rid of. Why? Because they're Canaanites. Uh huh. 
So you've got guys with different places. They're certainly not referring to the God of the Bible like Job is. And these guys are coming and teaching something different about their concept or their gods and indeed their God's laws. This is why in eight uh, in eight four of Job is... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the answer wagon. Uh huh. That's it right. It says Bildad's first response to Job is, "Here's Job suffering. He's lost everything. His kids are dead. He's got all these boils. You know. I mean, his wife says, look, we've lost our ranch. We've lost our crops. We've lost our cattle. Our children are dead. And look at you. You got boils.'" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's very Jewish. Very it? Jewish. Yes. Uh, so I got I got the accent. Yeah. There, so, yeah. so here, what's going on is, um, and in spite of that, this guy says. Your children deserve to die. Do you catch what's going on? These guys are not good guys. Their concepts of God is indicated for where they're from, from their names. And the, what they're teaching about their understanding about God is so different than what a Jew or Christian would understand today. And yet what's so very insidious and even insightful is so many of the things they say in today's world, seem to be very attractive. And we and we'll actually repeat that as if that's the proper thing. Yet what always scares me, and I started off at the beginning of the show saying this, I tell my kids, my grandson, and I suggest other people, be very careful quoting the lines, no matter how good they are, because God himself says they're wrong. And they really got one guy saying, Job, you're a sinner. One guy just says, you just got to have great faith. If you don't, just have faith. And the last one says, you know what? It all fits together. It all works out right because, you know, God punishes the bad guys and the good guys. And we don't understand, but it's okay. It all fit together. And yet, while that's popular in today's world, frankly, we got God showing up at the end of the story saying, every one of you guys are wrong. You made that up. I never said that. Could there be a case made here that maybe Job should not have, as Kathy maybe suggested it, maybe he should not have been listening to them. Maybe he should not have given. I know in the New Testament. Uh, and, and here in the old as well, the the people of Israel are often warned not to listen to false prophets, not to even listen to them, not to even give them a, a, a an audience, an op- a, a platform to speak to them. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament as well, Paul talks about false teachers that rose up in the in the early uh, congregations and said, yeah, "Don't give them a place. Don't don't listen. Don't even listen to their message." Is it is there? A, I wonder if there could be a well, yes, you could. Uh, you could. No, it doesn't seem to be a part of this story. But uh, see, they... Job seems, no matter what he's confronted with, in fact, I look at it like this, he's confronted with sympathy, because when this Satan says, I'm going to get him, then he'll use any tool available. He'll use the compassion and sympathy of his wife. Uh-huh. Or he'll use these other religions, you might say. So what happens is, is Job keeps his integrity to his understanding, to his God, to his God's rules and laws. And at the end, God appears and tells these three guys, you're wrong. Job's right. Now you go ask Job to pray for you. Well, we can move into that, into the end in as with, to where, uh, in Job, uh, what chapter does it, where the whole book, 42, ends, the whole book <laughs> ends with, God does finally speak. Yeah. Job, all three—they have these rotations of speeches. Uh, yes. Job speaks, then, then, uh, then uh, I forgot which one speaks first. I believe it is uh, Eliphaz. Eliphaz, I think from elder to younger somehow. Eliphaz and Zophar, then, uh, then uh, uh, the Shuhite this fellow, uh, Bildad, and they, and they speak. They rotate in these speeches. 
Job speaks, and then they all speak in, at him and accuse him and, and kind of critique his message and so on, his thoughts. And it goes on, and Job, uh, all through his talks, is continually crying out to God to confirm, to come to his rescue, to 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 confirm well, that what he's saying yeah, is right. And I know this is not part of actual reading that comes next week, but I'll just, if I'm with your consent, I'll read this line. About? Uh, about God rebuking those guys. Uh-huh, okay. Then God, then, after God had spoken all the words to Job, God said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I'm angry at you and your two companions because you did not speak correctly on my behalf, as did my servant Job. And he says, go get the bulls, go get the rams, make the offerings, and ask Job to pray for you. Now, what's fascinating about that is, is when I go down through the book of Job, and I told you Job is actually the book that I learned the most about God from, personally anyway. And when I go down through that, I find it fascinating that the things they say are things that I am inclined to say myself. And at the end, I'm told, that's wrong. Yeah. And so there's something wrong about my some of the things I want to say in my concepts. And I realize I better pay attention to what Job's saying, not pay attention to what these other guys saying. And yet what they say is so enticing and so insightful. I think, man, that's good reasoning. We should say that. And yet God says, I didn't say that. You made it up. Yeah, the power and the authority of God's word. That It is so crucial that we align our thinking I guess what it comes down to, Jacob, we believe uh, by faith, of course. Faith is involved. There's trust, in other words. But it's not mindless. We we have information on these books, on the book of Job. We we, we get it. We have a sense of where it came from. We know. We believe we know more or less where it's written. It's consistent with all of the rest of the message of scriptures. And all of these different reasons, uh, intellectual. Uh, as we intellectually, as we uh, as, as we consider the book of Job and all the scriptures, we come to the idea that God has spoken. God has acted. He has caused a record of his involvement in the human experience to be uh, to be made and to be accurately laid down and to be preserved for us, just so that we can indeed check our life's experiences and our own inclinations and our own opinions and our own uh, sort of. Uh, thinking and analysis, check it out with truth, with reality, what God says indeed about himself. And you're right. This We live in such an era of tolerance. Uh, we want to tolerate this, and we want to just kind of participate. We don't want to say anyone's wrong, including ourselves, I suppose. But we just can't. We can't do that. God has spoken. God has revealed himself. And we have to be willing to allow the truth of God to correct us, and, and to correct and guide us in the way that we receive uh, other messages and other information. If it's just not right, if it's not true in accordance with God's will, then it's not true. It's not right. And if God declares it to be evil and wicked or abomination, then we have to know that, that we can't, there's nothing we can do to make it acceptable. And we're not supposed to. I, 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 I wonder... Uh, where we as God's people, particularly in the, in the time we live here in America today, uh, we are in a great time of upheaval. There's the the old beliefs and that that I mean, this the message of this book was part of the founding uh, of our nation, the founding documents, the founding fathers, their beliefs, our constitution, and so on. And yet it's all being kind of 
put aside and question and 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 uh, we, I don't know. I think we're doing some terrible things, and and we as God's people, there are a lot of so-called Christians who are, or, or people who are trying to follow the true and living God, at least say that they do, who are making these compromises. Who we are. Well, what I always and, and this is my own personal uh, uh-huh. view, and I, and I do tell my kids, and I always say, look. Uh, if you're going to quote things that sound reasonable, you know, you can always check the book of Job and see if it's one of these three guys that are saying the same thing. <laughs> and if God shows up and says in the book and says, you're no, wrong, you're wrong, then what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. And, and I think there has to be a willingness. Well, in fact, do you know what the show, one of the lines is, since I talked about chapter 19, chapter 19, uh, Job actually says in verse 1, 2, and 3, he says, Ten times you all have said this, you've oppressed me with your words. Ten times. And I've maintained my integrity. So they keep talking about their view of God, their God, their religion. And we know that one's a Canaanite, one's from Edom, and the other one is from the world, uh, same part of the world. Well, that's interesting, ten times, because uh-huh. there are three of them. They each uh-huh. gave three speeches, and then uh, Elihu, the young fellow, uh-huh. comes in. That's ten. Uh-huh. So is that? I guess those are the ten times maybe referring well, to, right? Well, Elihu is not criticized whatsoever. These are just the three. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? This young guy. Talk about him a little bit. Do we know anything about him? Well, we know his name is Elihu. El in Hebrew is God. Every time you see an I after the word God, it means my. And the word who in Hebrew is my, or he, actually he. Any relationship so, to the idea of Elijah? Or? Well, in the Hebrew, as you know, the Hosea had his name changed to what we say in English, Joshua, Yehoshua, uh-huh. but just J in, in English. And so in Hebrew, if a person does very godly things, you can add a letter of God's name to their name. So Hosea becomes Yehoshua or Joshua. Uh-huh. Well, Not just salvation, but God's salvation. Uh-huh. Okay. So anyway, so then in here we've got Elihu, which is he is my God, is what it means. Except now, as this young man goes on, he would his name would develop, and he, it may be the first appearance of what you say Elijah, but in Hebrew it's a Y because there's no J in Hebrew, so it's Eliyahu, Elijah. Okay, now. You're going to have to explain to our listeners because you have this practice of saying the first appearance of Elijah. And, and of course, we think of John the Baptist as Herod called him. This must be Elijah come back from the dead. Or, uh, oh, no, no, he said it must be John the Baptist. But th- people thought of John the Baptist as Elijah uh, and so on and so on. So when you say uh, first appearance of you're not talking about like re- reincarnated. No, sir, I'm not. But you're what, I, what talking I'm talking about, about is okay. The well, message. Of, well, or, the message. And actually, and I'm not saying because some people think it is, some people disagree. So I'm saying if you like to think of it, please think of it that way. This may be the first appearance of Elihu, and because you add a letter of God's name, you can put the Y or J in English. It's could be Elijah. Now, I, it fits and it works for me. And some of the scholars I've read, they, they make good reasoning on it because you always have that technique. Well, let's summarize. Uh-huh. Let's let's do what we rarely get a chance to do on the Bible Live Quiz okay. Show. Let's make sure we've answered all the questions. Uh-huh. Uh, according to Psalm 97, we must learn to love God and hate sin, hate evil, uh, verse 10. And those musical instruments, uh, I think Harold mentioned 
one of those. But we have the voice. We're to worship God with our voice, with the harp, with the trumpet, with the ram's horn, with symphony. And with the rivers, it said, clap their hands. And so we I have think that. Harold hit on all those notes. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Then in his response to Eliphaz's first speech, Job insists that he has not sinned and says that the only comfort from his pain is that he has not denied the words of the Holy One. He has not denied what God had revealed of himself to him. And I, I just think that's that's so wonderful. In Bildad's first response, he says that Job's children deserve to die because of their uh, sin. Can you imagine going to see somebody in a hospital and they had a terrible accident? Maybe or the, or their children, maybe. They're injured and their child died in the accident. And you say, man, you know, your child deserved to die. What oh, kind of a lady. guy is that? What kind of God does he have yeah. that has that kind of a presentation? Well, the, you know, a lot of folks in our world today, oh. it's a very uh, superficial and superstitious view that they kind of use God as a rabbit's foot, as a... Is it kind of a, oh, well, you know, if I do enough good, if my good piles up against my bad, then, you know, God's going to accept me. We have this idea that, well, if I do good, I'm going to accept me. The karma idea, you know, uh, that it's going to come back. I used to own a karma gear. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like that car, by the way. Uh, what nationality? We cleared that up. Uh, okay, we, we pretty much asked, answered the questions. What What is the big lesson that you would say, Jacob? that comes to us well and, and there's a lot of them i know but sure. mine is yes. that i have been told fortunately and i believe not certainly i'm not an expert but god's laws for human beings on earth do not get me to heaven the laws do not that has nothing to do with salvation but they do teach me to stick to them no matter who tells me about what god or their god or their interpretation or their religion i stick to god's laws because god has said this is how to do your life on earth beautiful i guess my over biggest lesson i guess i take from the book is that uh, it, it's not just simple it this is a complex world good and evil coexist good people evil people and we live in a complex world but god is there sovereign and still at work and we are his people and we need to be steady as she goes trusting him believing him and living for him see you next week folks here on the bible live quiz show three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com